You might assume that signs of a gut health issue surface only through changes and symptoms in your intestinal tract. And sometimes they do, but they can also pop up in other areas of your body far from the gut. Because there is a connection between your gut and your brain, disruptions to your gut health could impact your mental wellness. Today we're sharing five weird signs that you may have a gut issue and what to do about it. Let's dive in. If you listen to the first season of the Happy Eating Podcast, then you may remember that we talked about how the gut has a huge influence over the brain and the brain functioning, particularly when it comes to conditions that can impact your mood and your mental wellness, like anxiety and depression. And we actually did a deep dive on gut health and how the gut can influence the brain and your mental wellness in episode two of season one. The problem with addressing gut health, which probably most all of us could improve our gut health, at Agreed. Least some. Agreed. But the problem is that it's hard to know. There's no definitive answer that yes, you have a gut issue or no, you don't, unless you have a biopsy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, did you want to sign up for that or should I? Uh, actually, I kind of would be interested just because I'm a nerd. But <laughs> if there is heavy sedation, but I, I will recognize... come and video it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of like Katie Cork. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I do recognize I am probably very much in the minority. Correct. Uh, yeah, for so, sure. For so sure. You there, But there are certain signs sometimes that can maybe let you know that you might have a gut issue. And what is so fascinating to me is I would automatically assume, and I did for a long time, that those signs would be... Um, have to do with your intestines or be GI related. Right. Like GI symptoms, you right. know, bathroom related And sometimes topics. they are, but there's also some that have n- nothing to do with your GI tract. Right. That that are kind of weird. Yeah. Let's do a quick refresh for folks, um, whether or not they listened to, season, to episode two in season one or not. Let's do a quick refresh on like why that connection between your gut and your mental health is so important. So one very cool statistic uh, that Carolyn and I discovered, you know, at the beginning of this I, podcast I'm, journey. And I'm shocked that we did not know this before we Me did too. episode two. Me but too. I love it. So 90% of serotonin is made in the gut. And remember that serotonin is that feel-good hormone. So it is actually being made in your GI not necessarily other, like your brain or elsewhere. Yeah. Which is, to me, like completely fascinating. And your gut microbes play a role in making that. And you've got to have the right balance and diversity. And I'll get into that in a second to make all that you should. But also those gut microbes are dictating some of the other chemicals and neurotransmitters. They don't necessarily make them in the gut, but they're dictating what gets made in your brain right because of that gut brain access right yeah yeah so that like direct link between your gut and your brain which as i just said is called the gut brain access and of course then the other component which i'm going to let you take over is that keeping inflammation at bay yeah so let's talk real quick about what a healthy gut looks like and what its purpose is and then what happens when it turns not so healthy because that's where inflammation really comes into play. So when you've got a healthy gut, these bacteria create a protective-like lining in your intestinal 
um, lining in your intestinal tract. And this protective lining is designed to allow the good things that you eat, like the digested nutrients, the digested carbs and proteins and vitamins and minerals, minerals, yeah, um, and fats to cross through the intestinal wall and into the body. And that protective lining also prevents a lot of those outside chemicals and compounds, the things that aren't naturally found in food and some harmful things that are found in food. Or even what you might be exposed to, like environmentally. Yeah. yeah. From it keep it um, that microbe barrier or wall that it forms prevents those from crossing and leaking into the body. When you've got a not so healthy gut, okay, and this may mean the number or the diversity of that good bacteria has gotten disrupted. That's what creates a knot. That's when your gut starts to go downhill a little. And this can be through things like diet, mm-hmm. um, processed foods, lot added sugars. Um, it can also be through stress. Antibiotics are a big one that can kill off some of your good bacteria. I mean, they're getting you well. They're getting rid of the bad things in your body, but they also can hurt the good ones. So when the number and diversity of the good bacteria in your gut get disrupted, get altered, that barrier that they form in your intestines is weakened and it develops holes. The result is that those compounds, those harmful chemicals, compounds, toxins that usually wouldn't be able to go through your intestinal wall into your body, some of them are now able to leak through, okay? That's how people maybe have, maybe they've heard the term leaky gut. Yeah. This is actually what people are referring to is that like those holes that are created and things can transfer through that Yeah. typically in a healthy gut can't. Yeah. I mean, really the term leaky gut is a perfect description. Stuff can leak into your body. Now, the problem with this is those toxins, those irritants, those compounds, basically they all act as irritants in the body because they're not supposed to be there. So they cause irritation and they ought, which often leads to inflammation, particularly if you already have some low-grade inflammation in your body elsewhere, this can aggravate it further. And also that inflammation definitely can spur or exacerbate conditions like depression and anxiety because those do have an inflammation element to them. Yes. Yes. We can't necessarily say that inflammation causes it, but it can certainly exacerbate just how inflammation um, or any kind of stress on the body exacerbates like an autoimmune condition, makes it flare up. Same thing can occur in some of your mental health conditions. Okay. So now that we understand the benefit of a healthy gut, Right. Let's talk about some of these like weird and surprising signs and symptoms that might indicate that there is something awry in yeah. your gut. Now, just to be clear, this is these signs and symptoms do not automatically mean you have gut dysbiosis, which we haven't touched on that term. But if you hear that term, that's just kind of a an unhealthy gut or a disrupted gut. The number, the diversity the strains of the bacteria in your gut are off and are not where they should be for it to be a gut working at 100% capacity. Right, exactly. Also, (laughs) some of these signs and symptoms don't necessarily mean that you are at risk for or have a mental health condition. Very good point. Okay, these we are talking about signs and symptoms that could potentially indicate that, you know, your gut could use a little bit of TLC. 
Yes. And so we're going to tell you these signs and symptoms, and then we're going to tell you how to give your gut some TLC. Exactly. Okay. All right. First one is bad breath, also known as halitosis. You know, I never knew this, but once I started reading up a little, it makes perfect sense. It really does. I mean, and I'll say like most of the time, I think as dietitians, you know, what I really learned was that halitosis is is sometimes a sign of somebody who is on like a very uh, severe diet. Mm. Yeah. 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 Or the keto diet. Right. Sometimes. But, you know, the more I read about this, the more I consider brushing my teeth on a regular basis, which I do. I'm not saying I just started this, but (laughs) the more I consider (laughs) brushing my teeth as part of my gut health plan. I like it. I like it. Can can you tell us why you're so worried about brushing your teeth now? Well, it's primarily because even though my kids are 11 and 14, it is still a daily struggle and I still have to check their mouths. Not not my 14-year-old, but I, I do feel like it wouldn't hurt for me to do a breath check before school and before bed. Let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah. I mean, I think every parent that's listening so, to this has totally had that experience where they've been like, did you brush your teeth? Mm-hmm, yeah, I did. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Come over here. Breathe on me now. And we're still wearing masks. So. Right. I forget even more because they're wearing a mask. So I guess from a terms terms of gut health, I'm looking at it from a parent perspective. Right. Exactly. So, But there's bacteria that can build up in one of those or not so healthy bacteria that can build up in the gut when your gut is off balance or out of sorts. And one of those is the H. pylori. Am I saying that right? I think so. That's how I say okay. it. You, you know, I like to put a southern spin on stuff. <laughs> you do it so, so nicely. The H. pylori bacteria are what you may have seen associated with, like, stomach ulcers. Mm-hmm. Um, but halitosis, a.k.a. bad breath, is often a symptom you see with H. pylori infections or an overgrowth of H. pylori in the gut. So what's interesting is that it's not clear if the H. pylori in the stomach cause the bad breath or if the presence of the H. pylori increases the likelihood of you having some, well, the word is periodontist, but dental some issues. some dental issues some bacteria. that then are creating breath issues. Yeah. But either way, there is some research to suggest that taking some probiotics or increasing foods with probiotics in them may help treat and prevent halitosis. And this appears to stem back to improving your gut. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Improving that, you know, another way to potentially treat H. pylori bacteria. Yeah. And one of the strains, one of the bacteria species, I guess, not strains, that they mentioned that... Um, is they noted was good or helpful with H. pylori bacteria was the lactobacillus species. Mm-hmm. Which you which find is, yeah, good. in a lot of dairy products. Yeah. Yogurt. Usually that's one of the very first ones you see in yogurt and cheeses like cottage cheese with active live cultures. But you also see it in other things. And again, we'll talk about how to, how to get more of that exactly in a few minutes. Okay. Second weird sign is joint pain. So 
in a way, this makes sense to me when I think about it from an inflammation standpoint, because if you have a gut issue and it's, you know, spurring inflammation, well, like things like rheumatoid arthritis, obviously, you know, are fueled by inflammation and that causes joint pain. Yeah. So, but there was another recent study that came out about poor gut health was found to potentially exacerbate osteoarthritis or your general wear and tear kind of joint pain. Yeah. And it's not clear the exact role that a healthy gut may play or if it plays a role in preventing that type of arthritis. Um, But the research did suggest that a disrupted or unbalanced microbiome may accelerate or worsen that joint deterioration and that pain. And I will say the easiest play examples to see the um, inflammation joint pain connection um, is in individuals with something like rheumatoid arthritis or other individuals that have another type of autoimmune condition because their body is so hypersensitive and you will just in working and talking with some they you know they can tell like if they eat um, if they're reactive to a certain nightshade that like eggplant or they don't normally eat dairy and they've cut it out and then they eat it they will feel it in their joints yes yeah yeah and and actually like i think and like you said that does also sometimes go with other autoimmune conditions like lupus is an example that i know anecdotally from mm-hmm. a couple of people who experience like bloating or joint issues and they're usually able to identify what it is that's fueling it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, but I think, I guess my takeaway or what I'm trying to say is um, I have learned from interacting and working with people with autoimmune conditions because they're so hypersensitive and it's so easy to immediately see yes. that reaction from that food. I have kind of learned to assume that we are all having certain reactions to certain foods that our body may not be sensitive to, but they're more subtle, so we may not see it. But if you have joint pain that maybe comes and goes and it's not related to exercise or, you know, physical activity that you're doing, you know, just kind of pay attention to what you're what you're eating. Yeah, and and come back to working on your overall gut health. Yeah. Like remember that that could be, you know, a really great actionable future defense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number three is fatigue. I feel like this one is so hard. Like I'm channeling it as a parent right now and I'm like, yeah. 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 Like I had a doctor's appointment last week and they were like, he, the, the, I was, I was complaining about some other things just like a regular pcp visit i was complaining about a few things and he asked me um about being tired and he asked me if i was forgetful and i was like okay i would just like I you mean, to know that a i i am a you know self-employed quote-unquote small business owner yeah. and i have two elementary school age children who was recently a single mom until about two weeks ago so you're newlywed yeah. big life change so what is his baseline for determining right. if you're fatigued i was like i am tired and i am forgetful do i think it's abnormal my tiredness and my forgetfulness no but anyway i digress yeah fatigue so, can be a symptom of an imbalance of good gut yeah. bacteria and i just read an article on fatigue 
and the inflammation connection. And again, a lot of the the gut connection here goes back to the inflammation that can lead to fatigue. But fatigue is compared to just being tired and like normal day-to-day and just even, you know, the tiredness from parenting and that kind of thing. Fatigue is when your tiredness doesn't get better even after, you know, a few nights of really good sleep. It just sticks around and it lingers. Ongoing fatigue is an initial sign of most autoimmune conditions and their development is closely linked to gut health. But ongoing fatigue, and if you don't have an autoimmune condition, is something to keep tabs on. Um, Partly because of the connection that the gut has to the immune system. And anything that's connected to the immune system can cause inflammation. And inflammation, as you know, I'm not going to bore you, but is at the root of every chronic condition we have going on in our body. Yes. So I do really like that tip, though, of how you described, like, really, how to identify fatigue. Like, you get a few really good nights of rest, or maybe you get a weekend where you get to take, you know, a couple of naps, right? Yeah. And you're still, like, at your core tired yeah yeah and just the the other signs of fatigue were kind of a loss of interest not as motivated um yeah it was really helpful for me to look in kind of what's the difference between fatigue and tired yeah you know yeah i mean it it seems like Uh, a fine line yeah but basically here the imbalance of good gut bacteria can create an overworked immune system and that um can lead to more inflammation And this is why just aiming to be as consistent as possible with your quality and your quantity of sleep is really important. Because it isn't, you know, we all are going to have weeks and or even months where, you know, we are running a marathon and not literally, figuratively, (laughs) because I'm not running any marathons. But we're, you know, we're, we're really are like stretched pretty thin and, you know, there's nothing to beat yourself up about. But do continue to try and aim for those like the quality sleep and good sleep habits and maybe you can't get that break even though you really really need it I think even what helps me is thinking okay if I did have two days away from my kids and from work would I feel refreshed and usually my answer is yes Mm -hmm. but I've kind of used that lately (laughs) as my indicator (laughs) but I like that that's a good one that's a really good one All right. I don't remember what number we're on, but let's talk about what the next weird sign is. Number four, breakouts and skin irritations. I really think that this one is going to stir the pot for some folks. Really? Yeah, because there are plenty of adults I know who feel like they still have teenage skin. Yeah. And just to to think that, like, you're – Okay, so people talk about how things like, oh, chocolate. And don't might eat chocolate. Don't eat sugar. Cause acne, yeah. right? Or breakouts or whatever. Sugar, et cetera. You know, another great example. But to me, like, yes, those might be problematic. And I know people anecdotally will say, like, oh, my skin doesn't like XXX, you know, chocolate or my skin doesn't like sugar or whatever. Really, it's not always just about eliminating one food. It's It comes back to the whole, like, bigger picture Yeah, it's much here. bigger people. And I think if you do, maybe you do eat a lot of sugar and you cut that out, or you eat a lot of chocolate and you cut it out, well, you don't have that sugar and the things that you don't necessarily need 
potentially damaging what good gut bacteria you have. Um, but also when you eliminate that, you are lowering potential inflammation that could occur from eating that. Right. And also some of the other skin irritations like an eczema or a dermatitis or even a psoriasis, like those all can also be fueled, or sorry, not can, they are fueled by yeah. inflammation. So as I understood it when I was looking into the skin, we tend to forget skin is our barrier to the outside world. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's what protects us from everything. And it is a live organ. Yes, I forget that too. So when it's homeostasis or its health gets disrupted, it can't function and act as the protective barrier that it's supposed to. It starts to kind of break down, you, you know, through dermatitis or through eczema or psoriasis. And this can happen when there's chronic inflammation and a decreased immune response due to an influx of those foreign chemicals and compounds in the body that occur because of leaky gut. So if you leaky, so skin irritations can be a sign of leaky gut, which means, you know, a gut issue is going on. I will say one of my regrets as a parent is I, both of my kids had took, or probably took too many antibiotics more than they should. And they both had eczema pretty bad. And I kept saying to the dermatologist and to the, their doctor, I feel like this is diet related. I feel like this is diet related. What can I do? And I, I really wasn't up to date at that time on, on this kind of thing. And you're really relying on healthcare providers to tell you. And they kept saying, oh, no, research doesn't, you know, some people like to think that, but research doesn't point to it. Now, yes, absolutely, it was diet related. I don't know where I would start because, again, it's there's something that's irritating it. But I just think that's interesting as I look back. Yeah, that well. That nice, like hindsight is twenty twenty, but also I think that it's important. And when you think about the age of your kids, and you think about how the science has evolved just over the last decade, and that like, sure they might say like I can I can see physicians saying then there is some science that's pointed to it, but you know there really isn't enough because there really wasn't a, no. wasn't a lot. And well, and let's be honest, you got to be careful what you say to a mother with a with a young child. It's true. Because they will take it and run with it. And I totally get that. Yes. But it would have been nice. I just wish I'd had one who said, it's probably not, but you can try eliminating this. Yeah. Or maybe try eliminating this. Or try adding this. And I actually, I'm more mad at, as myself as a dietitian, at myself as a dietitian for not just trying it anyway. Yeah. But you're tired and you're trusting your healthcare provider. And that we have to do that too. Yeah. You know, there's only so much we can do. Okay, All number right. five. Last one. <laughs> Bro, we might be in trouble with this one, Barley. Increased forgetfulness. <laughs> oh. Okay, so this goes back to busy lifestyles make it challenging. Okay, and again, like technology, our, you know, constant access to all sorts of stimulants via mm -hmm. our phones and our computers, et cetera, also make it challenging. Yeah. But if you're forgetting more than normal you may want to look at your gut. And this is because a leaky gut can cause inflammation that they believe can trigger memory issues. Um, you know, and inflammation is, as we've already said, linked to some mental health conditions. And I believe it's been, I know it's been linked to Alzheimer's 
that's how I first got interested in inflammation. So a 2010 research study examined gut health and memory. Now this was in rats. I was going to say, let's make and sure we tell everybody this was in animals. I think likely there is much, there's, I think I've seen some more updated ones, but this is what we got. Um, and it suggested that microbe imbalances in the rat's gut impacted memory formation, creating memories and the ability to recall them, especially when they were under stress. They also found that consuming probiotic-rich foods, which we'll talk about in just a sec, may reduce memory issues and reduce inflammation in the brain. See, what's cool about animal studies, and I know we always have to give the disclaimer of, like, this is an animal study, because it is. It is. Yeah. Like, a, a rat is not a human, and a human is not a rat. But what's cool about them is that they can typically really tweak kind of like their inputs into the study. You can totally control it. You can't totally control people. Exactly. Yeah. So that you can like really get a measurable result. And that's the whole goal, right, with with studies is to make sure that you get like a statistically significant measurable result. And that's the cool part about animal studies um, is that and particularly or and also because their lifespan is shorter, right? So you kind of get to see the progression of chronic conditions faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and part of me just may sound weird. I don't feel like we're that far off from. I mean, we're all animals. Are we that far off from rats? We are. We're all animals. <laughs> but the one question I did have: How did they measure the rat's ability to make mem memories and recall it? I guess they made a little maze for them or something. Oh, I don't. Yeah, know. usually they do like a water maze or something, and they test their skills. And yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll have to come back to that in the show notes. Just okay. kidding. So those are five issues or symptoms that most would not associate with a gut issue. And again, this doesn't mean that you necessarily have a gut issue if you're experiencing them. But it's good to be aware that subtle symptoms in other parts of your body outside of the GI tract mm -hmm. can be like your gut waving a red flag. Yeah. Saying, I need some I need some TLC. Well, and many times how we talk about the benefit of like just everybody wants to improve their mental wellness. Okay. Really, I wish that everybody wanted to improve their gut health. And here's the thing is that even if you don't have any of these or if you have all of these, like there are things that you can do that are not big things to improve your gut microbiome and just yeah. make it like healthier and more resilient and stronger and more diverse and all of those lovely things that can protect you down the line from not just mental health conditions but a lot of other things yeah definitely definitely okay so where do we need to look first or what do we need to do first Barley? well when you talk about your diet right because that i mean there's that direct connection right between what you put in your mouth and what it does to your gi tract so there are two big things that your gut that your gut needs to be healthy, and that's prebiotics and probiotics. Mm -hmm. So prebiotics, as we've talked about before, are those those um, nutrients, mostly like you know fibers that you can find in you know whole foods like fruits and vegetables, whole grains, those sort of items, right? Um, and then you well, and the prebiotics serve as food, correct for your gut bacteria, which just so you know, those gut bacteria are referred to as probiotics, whether they're in food, in a supplement, or in your gut. That's right. I forgot to mention that. Yes. So you want to feed those with your prebiotics, with your fibers, with your whole, um, 
your whole foods, right? Your fruits, your veggies, your whole grains, those sort of items. And then you definitely want to make sure to incorporate those probiotic-rich foods into your diet as well. So we've talked about some of those already. Those are the yogurts, the cultured uh, – sorry, not the cultured bacteria, the cultured uh, cottage cheese. And you want to make sure they both say active live cultures. That's right. Because they're – Typically on the cottage cheese. Right. I was going to say with the cottage cheese, like there are some that, that don't contain that. You want to um, – look for items like kimchi and sauerkraut, but you want them to be refrigerated. You don't want them to be canned. Um, Other things like miso or tempeh, Mm -hmm. those are also fermented. Again, you don't really want to cook them. Um, Your kombucha. My kombucha. Any of those fermented foods, yeah. Exactly. Any of those fermented foods. There was another one I just thought of that – did we say kefir? No, we didn't. Yeah, so kefir – You'll now start to see probiotics added to other foods too. Um, like what do you think about that? Shelf stable. So at first I was really skeptical of them. That's how I am. But right now. then when I dug into them more, and we can go back and put this in the show notes so I make sure I get it right. But there is a the the name of it, there is a strain of probiotics that is encapsulated in something i'm i'm struggling to remember what That's it okay. what's it's, in, it's like it's got it's like a spore food? around it or something okay. and it's added to food so like you can find it in baking mixes now mm. or you can find it on um uh dried fruit like mariani has a has a couple lines of their dried fruit that have probiotics added to them and you can find them in other um like even in just items sometimes in the snack aisle okay. nowadays the the whole the benefit to them is that because they have this like protective covering around them, that is that prevents the the probiotic, the bacteria from dying when it's either cooked or when it's exposed to processing or that sort of thing. And typically okay. they're not added, you know, in they're added after a lot of the processing, okay. right? So there's a there's a specific and I can see it in my brain. Anyway, there's a specific strain that is, you know, how a lot of companies like will make their like branded strains or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we can put it in the show notes so that people can look for it on their products. But really what you need to do is you need to check if you see a product like that, you need to check the ingredient list and make sure that this particular strain is the one that's in it. Okay. That's helpful to know. And then what I thought was interesting is – I think most of us know eating fiber is important, but there was a 2021 study this summer from Stanford that suggested really focusing on those fermented foods. And I have to be honest, for those are sometimes the ones I tend to overlook just because to me it's easier to get your fibrous fruits and vegetables. Yeah. But your fermented foods can really have a beneficial impact on increasing the diversity and this type of strains you have in your gut in a pretty quick period of time. Yeah, and that was what this study found was that that it was a smaller study, but in the group who incorporated the probiotic-rich foods into their diet, they increased their diversity more so than the group who focused on fiber. Yeah. That was pretty eye-opening to me. So 
Um, you know, look for ways to incorporate those. I finally found a kombucha that I like. I'm oh, so yay. proud of myself. Yay. Um, I actually put it over ice most nights and have it as a cocktail. I mean, not as, you know, yeah. over ice. As a mocktail. Yeah. I like yeah. that. And I really like it. So other things to do from a diet perspective, or I guess the other other place to focus is cutting down on those processed foods. Those foods with the chemicals and compounds and irritants in them. And the foods that don't do much in terms of feeding your gut microbiome, right? Exactly. So like the trans fats and the added sugars and the unnecessary additives and preservatives. Colorings and, yeah, just chemicals and junk. Yeah, they're not fueling those good bugs that you want to fuel. And they may be causing harm. True, true. So those are our tips. Um, if you found this particular episode really intriguing, we would absolutely encourage you to go back and listen to episode two in season one, because we really do dive much deeper into the connection between gut and mental health and, you know, the, the ins and outs and the whys. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening today. We would love to get your feedback and any thoughts you have on this or future episode ideas. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.